This is the Start Today Podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Mike. And today we had on special guest Amber. And I have to say, like, a warning in advance, it was heavy. It was very heavy and very raw. Very, man, it's, you'll hear me and I think all of us, like, just constantly going like, uh, oh my gosh, or... I can't imagine, or that's crazy because it, it's so hard to articulate going through what she went through in Las Vegas. Like she was a, a victim of a mass shooting. Uh, there were 22,000 people that were potential murder victims. Uh, and I think if the count got up to yeah, 600, we, we didn't reflect, we didn't mention that. I don't rem- like, so I didn't even look, um, but I, there were hundreds of people who hundreds, were killed that day. Hundreds and, of people. And our friend Amber was, she was shot. She was. I mean, no spoiler, spoiler alert. Yeah. But I mean, I mean this, she, she was, yeah, she wasn't just there, although that would be massively traumatic. And that would also just take, be a lot. Because they have to work through that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, especially and after, still are. I mean, even, you know, of all the stuff we talked about, she not being shot, you could have still gone through a lot of what she went through a lot and not all of it, obviously, because there was like, there's a lot of like physical, you know, healing. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, there was a, just being there would be a lot, but she was, she was actually shot. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there were a couple, a couple key sections, you know, that all of you who are parents, you know, like Mike was even having a hard time getting through a section. And you'll hear it when you listen to the episode about just, I have to get home to my son. Yeah. Or her, I mean, she, she, talked, to about, call him. she talked about calling her son to say goodbye. In the midst of getting shot at, Yeah. by the way. That, like, is, that is not anything any parent ever wants to do. And no. she, she had to do it not knowing what her, what her fate would be at the moment, you know, in, in the midst of all that, having, again, been shot. So, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a raw, heavy, uh, very, very, um, real episode. And, yeah. um, and I think it's, I think it's really cool that, you know, Amber was, was willing to come on and share her story. And I think her, um, her strength is, is something that, um, is inspiring. And, That's right. Uh, you know, it's inspiring and hopefully it, uh, it encourages people, um, because, you know, we're, we're all trying to get through, but, um, you know, we're all trying to get through life in our own way, but going through something like that and just coming through just with strength is, is really encouraging and admirable. Yeah, that's right. And for people that know Amber, she has been absolutely, uh, phenomenal in her approach to life. And to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty sure she had this approach before this situation happened. Yeah. And we talk a little bit about like, is it basically intrinsic or is it something you have to cultivate? And it's probably a little both, but she is one of these people that you've gone through tragedy, tragedy and, and you can use this experience to know that it's possible to, to be a positive person in the light of, uh, being a victim. And we do talk about that a little bit, the, the psychological versus the criminal definition of a victim, right? Yep. Like, yeah, 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 you can be a victim and not be the victim. 
Yeah, I guess, and not, or maybe not feel victimized. Or right, I think maybe that's what she she. I mean, she just you know she said she doesn't think of herself as a victim. She she doesn't feel victimized by what happened to her. Um, and and that again, you know, there's there's a lot of people who have not you know gone through something crazy and and they feel the far like, majority actually yeah and even every, the far majority of the people that were there didn't go through what she yeah did, though, and which and is crazy you can feel victimized and she just she's she's chosen not to feel victimized which is again uh you know just just is a nod to her strength yeah so, that's right so yeah so we 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 give thanks to amber for having the ability and um I would say it is a courageous act. Actually, it does take a, a, a bit of yeah, a lot of strength. Yeah, I mean, she come. talked about that. How like she thought it was going to be fine, and how like it was hard for her coming here. Like yeah, she had just to, on the drive. Yeah, it was, it was very courageous, and you know, to do that. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy the episode. There will be some laughs. I mean, we did. It wasn't completely somber, but this is not an episode to reflect like on. I, I I don't know, man. But yeah. Just thanks for listening and really pay attention. There are heroes everywhere. You don't know them. They're out there. She's one of them. There's lots of people she refers to in the episode who are heroes. Just enjoy, reflect on your own life, and we just hope it helps. Yeah. And parents, uh, this is a... Uh this one's pretty sensitive and there's some language. So, uh, it's probably not appropriate for little kids. Yeah. And I apologize for that because most of it came from me. <laughs> so, so enjoy the episode and, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're back into the new year, 2019. And um, we have a guest. Yay. We have a special guest. We're uh, not alone. We're not alone. You're not alone. No one's alone. We're all not alone. So welcome to that. <laughs> welcome to uh, not being alone. Yeah. But this episode has been on my mind, I think, for a couple months now. And it it came out of nowhere actually based off the idea of uh it triggered a thought in my head from Chelsea from Operation Juice Box she had said something to me that was totally unrelated but it just triggered the thought and i approached our guest i think that very same day the same day that the thought came to me and she got back to me pretty much right away i think the thought that we should have our guest this on this episode gotcha. that's correct gotcha gotcha and so i would like to introduce our special guest because this, this is kicking off our new year and this is a pretty heavy topic and it's one that has left people with a lot of questions, a lot of wondering. So hopefully we all grow from this, from this day, from this episode and the experiences of, uh, our guest and today and like all other days, this is Amber. Hi guys, thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. We're, it is unbelievable what happened to you. I mean, it, it's one of those things that it's it's hard to it's hard to put a personal stamp on it when you see things like this on the news. When you 
you when you really read anything or just watch something, say on YouTube or on TV, it, it lacks like a personal touch. It's just like a sensational story, and then it kind of goes, and then it's on to the next sensational story. But that's actually not true for the people. Do you this, think? Do you think like for the rest of us that don't like? I mean, I, I can think of things like nine eleven. Um, all like, uh, you know, Columbine, all these other like really big tragic events that we've sort of seen through mostly TV. Right. Um, like, do you think you have to disconnect yourself from that to like, just get through the day, like get through your life? Um, like if, and that's not having gone through it, right. Like that's just, that's just being a bystander and looking at like the, the evil in the world sort of. Yeah. So it doesn't kind of consume you yeah i mean i I think i i think i mean i think i do that maybe that's not right um but i think that that when you see something on tv that's scary and real and bad um and bad things are happening to to really normal people um like you have to sort of exist in your shell of like well that's really bad and I feel awful, but like, it's like my shell is safe. I'm safe in this space or whatever. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know if I just, I feel like, I feel like I do that just to cope sometimes. Sure. Like, and I'm not having nothing to cope with other than the fact that bad things happen to other people. Right. 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 Well, maybe, anyway, we, maybe that'll know. come up. What you said made me think of that as a, as all. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think that's true. And even when it's sometimes close to you, it's it's hard to maybe like a good friend is going through, you, you know, like and that's kind of like the 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 Christian maxim almost. Right. Like bear one and one another's. But to what extent can you practically do that? Like people have to go through their own tragedies in their own way. And yeah. you just be there for what they exactly. need. Exactly. Like whatever that is. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. You just being there is the, is the only way you can do it. But however, they it's get going, to dictate that going on in my head, I have to sort of work out on my own almost. Yeah. Like with the help of other people and their input, but you can't work it out in my head for me. Right. right? Anyway. So I think I, I want to reflect on the, the day and leading up to it and yeah. then, let uh amber speak yeah no i think that's a great idea since we've been like oh hey here's amber and now we're talking the whole time yeah um so on october 1st i was at that time seeing a mutual friend and a mutual friend of me and amber's and i remember going to bed that night Seeing Amber's last pics on Instagram, I think it was Instagram, and just at the festival in Las Vegas, everyone's having a great time. And then I go to bed and I wake up in the morning and I see on someone's post, someone's Instagram post, pray for Vegas. So I just hit Google. You know, it's like 5.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning. I, I go to Google, look it up, and see that, that there had been a mass shooting at the same festival that Amber was at. And it was just like, it, it, it's like, what? It, it's not anything you expect to wake up to ever. That's not, it shouldn't be anything you, you wake up to. So I texted her and 
to my surprise, she got back to me to me immediately. I said, I just saw the news. I just woke up. Are you okay? And I, I sh- maybe I should have brought up the text because I don't remember exactly how the conversation went. But basically was, uh, no, I'm not okay. I'm in the hospital and I've been shot. Did and that I, freak you out? That would totally freak me out. Yes. And again, like, you know, you're the safe one. But yeah, that, that, that getting that response would like create a lot of anxiety in me. Like if that, like if my friend sent that to me, it yeah, it did, it did, and I didn't know if Heidi knew. I didn't know anything, but and I believe you had maybe already posted on Instagram before I even texted you. Yeah, so probably. You were coherent. You were awake, handling it, handling it. Like a mature mother F and G, by the way, you should see her post. It was, it was just like, I mean, you just react and respond, but it was, it was super not light, not lighthearted. Wasn't taking light of it, but it was like, you know what? I'm, I'm handling this. That actually reminds me, um, the cab ride, uh, to the hospital. I got a phone call from one of my girlfriends, you know, we're driving in the cab. I'm shot. And she says, Hey, I heard there was a shooting. Are you okay? And it's like, I've been shot. I'm in a cab. Can't talk right now. You took the call. I took the call. With like. While I was giving directions to the cab driver because he was new to Vegas. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's so crazy. That is really crazy. And I would have totally expected. I mean, I, of course, when I was texting you and I'm sure when your friend had called you. You're expecting, no, I made it, I'm in my room, I'm on my way home. Yeah. Of course, that's what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. But you handled it so well. Like, see, this is going to be a, a crazy episode because I'm already like getting choked up. But it, it's such an unfathomable thing that this happened. So, and that you're, you know, I was around for part of the snippets of recovery mm-hmm. and so this is you and hundreds and thousands of other people's experience so how would you like to go about like talking about it like what is do you it, it's so i don't know i i get lost for words I, I don't i don't even know how to approach it totally yeah yeah i get that yeah. it's rough i mean I think for for sake of um like listeners and me who doesn't know Amber um like Amber should share her story like in a way that is comfortable. Yeah. Okay, I can do that. Um you know, it was a 3-day festival. I was never a big country music fan, but I had been dating somebody and we bought tickets. And then we broke up, and then I still went to the festival with him. That is a bad deal. It is. <laughs> and I like, just throw that out there. Side number one, is, you shouldn't be there. That's such a bad deal. <laughs> <laughs> but the festival was amazing. Like, a bunch of God-loving, country-loving, gun-toting, all-American cowboys. Just fun. Um, the three days were amazing. Until the last night. 
Jason Aldean was on stage. And sorry, I'm getting a little worked up. Um, Jason Aldean was on stage and off to the right of the stage, which is where we were, I could see some like firecracker lights going off. And I thought, some asshole brought fireworks in here. That's which exactly would what, which would it be question. surprising? Yeah, yeah that's right. exactly what you would think, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I'm frustrated. Like, they're just going to ruin this for everybody. This last, last singer going up, and, and then it stopped. And then it started again. But this time it was like pop, 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 pop. And um, Jason Aldean continued to play. And then, well, you, the, to set the stage of eighty-one, who well, pretty much everyone's been to a concert, but mm-hmm. you have to understand that none of this would have been immediately understood at the time. Like it's so loud oh, yeah. and it's, chaotic, and it's a festival. You're outside. Well, and you wonder is it yeah. is it part of the the show? Right. That's yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Totally. Is it part? Is the fire? Uh, yeah. Is it part of it? Especially if he's kind of still going. Yeah, he's yeah. still singing. And I think finally, through his earpiece, he gets called off stage. And he, so he runs off. And at this time, we realize, like, this isn't part of the show. Yeah. And this is where it gets a little bit blurry for me. Um, I think we fell to the ground because we're realizing it's gunshots and not knowing where to go. Because um, you wouldn't think that it's coming from... Above, you would think it's somebody in the venue, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we get up and we run, and then we fall to the ground again. And I was laying on my stomach; my my toes were in the the astroturf, and uh, I just put my hands over my head, and I just prayed to God to not be shot in the head. That's all I said over and over and over. And uh, the bullet whizzed over my head and hit my foot. And I knew instantly I'd been shot. It felt like um, like a nail gun on fire. The impact was pretty intense. And uh, the guy I was with, I told him I'd been shot. And he said, well, can you run? I said, I have to. I have a son. I have to get home. And so I ran. And I don't remember anything around me. Like, my brain, thankfully, has blacked it all out. But I do remember the sensation of blood gushing out of my foot into my boot. And uh, we ran to an exit, and it was locked. And so we ran to the porta potties, and... Um, like hid behind them and I was so pissed because A, I dropped my phone and I was like, how am I going to call my son? And um, I felt trapped. Like we were just rats stuck in a maze and we weren't going to get out and somebody was just going to come up and just off us. Um, Luckily, I, I dropped my phone not too far. So the guy I was with went out and he actually grabbed my phone, brought it back to me took off his belt and did a tourniquet around my my leg. And at this time, I called my ex-husband, told him that I had been shot, 
that he would have to take care of our son because I didn't think I was going to make it. And then I called my son, and I, I said goodbye to him without saying goodbye because I didn't want him to know. But after several minutes still being shot at while I'm saying goodbye to my son, a security guard. It was going guard, off? Yeah. On the phone? Yeah. Ugh. It was 10 minutes of bullets. That is a Just long, raining on us. Long time. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. Um, so security guard comes up and he says, I, I think the exit's open now. And so he goes and checks and he comes back and he gets me. And by this time, the adrenaline's kind of crashed and I can't put any pressure on my foot anymore and so they kind of carry me out and they put me behind a squad car and the police are yelling at us get out of here where do we go yeah i mean like i wonder i mean would you that that's a really good like thought like where would you even run to you don't even know where everything's coming from yeah are you gonna run into it are you running away from it you don't know you can't know like i remember hearing other people's reports um, and of, of hearing like, you know, bullets or gunshots in on on multiple directions. I mean, because your sound is echoing everywhere, right? Well, it's being picked up on the PA system. Oh, geez, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So it's projecting not only the buildings, but then the the PA too. Yeah, is yeah. putting it out in all. And something interesting about that setup, I bet you they're still studying this why were there emergency exits blocked yeah, they're going to they're going to have to be accountable to all of this all of these things all these small details i was driving past it and i was and i was thinking about you i've been to vegas i think once when i was a little kid for like a wedding or something i have zero interest in that place um i still have zero interest in that place probably even more so now but I was driving through it coming home from Salt Lake last Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving of 2017, I was visiting friends in um, Utah. You can just see the thing from the freeway. It's right off the freeway. All of this, all the hotels, it's literally just an open area surrounded by hotels. And everyone's in the middle. I mean, it just seems like on in, in hindsight, like such a terrible idea. Yeah. And I was like, people were on the freeway just watching this. I don't know, man. Just the whole thing seems so baffling to me. The whole thing. And it just had, I I just couldn't stop thinking about it. All the way from Vegas, all the way back home. It was just like, wow. It's just sitting ducks is all it was. That's exactly what we were. So, how many people would you say were at this festival? 22,000. That's so crazy. Can you imagine 22,000 people being shot at, running blindly, not knowing where to go? You know, I do remember after being brought to the squad car, looking around, And there were so many acts of bravery that I witnessed. 
people running back in to get people that they didn't even know. Yeah. I think that's what kept me going, you know, like just seeing that love wins. Mm-hmm. Despite this evil, evil act. And that, that seems to be something I think, I don't, I don't, it's not an American trait. I think it's a human trait, but I, I do think Americans are good at rallying around each other to pick each other up in, in situations like this. And I guess other people, I mean, I'm not like making a nationalistic statement. I'm just saying like when these things happen, I think we put everything aside and we just handle our business is what I think. Because you, there's way more to what, to what happened that day. Like the security guard coming back for you. Why you, why not whomever, right? It's just. Yeah. And, And even, you know, laying on the side of the squad car, you know, I had the one tourniquet on my leg and, uh, this off duty firefighter ran up who had been at the festival and he took off his belt and put another tourniquet on me and tightened both of them. And then he ran off like he just did that. And he ran off. So he was in work mode. He was he, just getting was. after it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, uh, the guy I was with was flagging down a cab, um, which I'm just shocked. There were even cabs around. Um, and I, and I got into this cab with, there were seven of us in there. When I first got in, it was just uh, the cab driver and a girl in the front. And then we got in, and then the other side of the car opened up, and two more people got in. The girl had been shot in the chest. And then we're starting to drive away, and this guy starts pounding on the car. And so they popped open the hatchback and got in the back, and his friend had been shot in the head. Jeez. And so now I'm sitting on the center console facing backwards, looking at everybody. I don't, I never got to, um, to meet with the person who was shot in the chest and the head. I don't know if they made it. Well, let's hope so. I hope so too. It's kind of hard. This is, it's hard to just make this flow because there's so much to like reflect on. Like as we're going, it may be things you don't even want to. Yeah. Like, yeah. But this, the, the, I don't know what the right words are, but like the spirit of survival or the, or maybe it's just like a, a base drive, just an old drive. Like you're going to make it at any cost. That, I mean, man, and I think about that cab driver. He seriously was only here for a few months, and then he went back to the Philippines. Like, he was only here to save us. Yeah. And how many, and how many more people? There had to have been almost innumerable people in cars. Just jump in. We're going somewhere. So We're getting out, right? Here's another part of the story that just shows you how amazing humans are. So while we while we were driving, we're now off the strip and nobody off the strip knows what's going on. They have no idea. 
because the I think the hospital we went to is like seven to ten miles away from the strip. Oh wow! And um, that's not close though. No, it sounds like it would be close, but no, seven to ten miles away is far. It's really far, especially driving in Vegas. Yes, and so we're stuck at a red light, and nobody wants to let us go because they don't know what's going on, and the cab driver's like trying to inch his way out, you know to get us to the hospital faster, but he can't run the light because he doesn't want to get sideswiped or, and, yeah. and, and there was this guy on a motorcycle behind us and he's looking in the car, looking at the light, looking in the car, looking in the light, looking at the light. And it like hits him. These people are hurt. And so he inched his way out into traffic and stopped it so that we could get through. Wow. On a motorcycle. On a motorcycle. Whew. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were, when all the, I know you couldn't process at the time, but when, as you're thinking back, or you've probably spent a lot of time, obviously, thinking back on it, what were other people doing? Was everyone just trying to do what you were doing? Just, or... Because you know when there's large panic and large chaos, it just is exactly that. Did it seem like things were in place? And I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like were people so panicked that they just froze and couldn't move? Or did it seem like everyone was pretty well you know, it's interesting. You know. I, I've talked to several people that were there that night. And, you know, that's a three-day festival with a lot of drinking. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but everybody was pretty sober that night, weirdly enough. Like, so I think most people had their wits about them and um, and and got out uh, safely. I mean, obviously, most of us got out safely. Um. But people were jumping over walls and pushing down bleachers and hiding in freezers and doing everything that they could to survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen videos of after because there's tons of, you know, cell phone footage. I was going to say, everyone's got a cell phone. And I cannot in any sense predict what I would have done. You just hope you would do something heroic, or you just hope, right? Eric, everybody there was a hero. They really were. Even if they didn't go back to rescue someone, they're still a hero. Yeah. I, I just, I, they did what they had to do to survive and to get home to their family. And, and no, you're never going to know what you would do until you're faced with that situation. Yeah. Man, I don't have a lot to say. No, it's like such like a, um, it's so crazy. It, 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 it it's, it's unbelievable. It's completely unbelievable. And, um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just totally unbelievable. I just can't like, I, I'm surprised you were able to even make it out of the parking lot. Um, with it, with all that going on, I, it, I couldn't quite figure figure out from the cell phone footage that I've seen on the different um, from the different things on YouTube, like how it was set up. But I I just 
imagine so many cars trying to leave that it caused more problems. Actually, so we um, ran to the airport side, and there was a lot of cars were parked over there, but people weren't going to their cars. People were running. They were running away from the situation. They weren't running to their vehicles. I so see. there weren't, from what I remember, there weren't a whole lot of cars to deal with. There was more people to deal with. Yeah. Because I, th- I, I think about places, you know, in in like L.A. or Anaheim, San Diego, these places where we have stadiums, and it's pretty pretty chaotic just to even try and get a parking spot at Dodger Stadium because that's that's one way in, one way out, which seems like incredibly stupid. Even back then, like you're you're putting, yeah, that was never a good idea. No, and the the amount of people that that fact alone would impact is it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. How do you put thirty thousand people, twenty two thousand people in one spot and safely deal with an emergency that no one intends on happening? It's only, I feel like they're almost crossing their fingers every time there's a Dodger game. Like, please, just and get through this game. Yeah, in a way, there's like always, there's always emergency plans, right? I mean, we actually just talked about this at work um, yesterday, because today's Saturday. Um, like, all there there are multiple different emergency plans at work. I work at a university, so like, if there's. Um, like an earthquake and we get stuck there or if there happen, you know, what is the plan for an active shooter situation? Um, you know, what if we had a fire drill also <laughs> like, so we've been like going through this uh, probably because the new school year is going to start. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it, it really is just cross your fingers and hope it doesn't happen. Isn't yeah. that insane though, that we have to have an active shooter plan. Oh, I think it's completely insane. Yeah, it yeah. totally is. And what's weird. I mean, you guys aren't a generation older than me, but you're a little bit older. And like, I mean, when we were in high school, you just never, like, it never crossed your mind. Like, you might have been worried that a gang member would bring a gun to school, right? But that was so much different than it, what we consider, like, active shooters these days. Yeah. Um, that's not, we, we didn't go to high school and worry about an active shooter situation. No. We, we went to high school and just did our thing and... You know, there'd be fights or someone brought a knife. That'd be really bad. And you'd get busted if you had a knife in your locker, um, that, that kind of thing. But you would just, you wouldn't have fathomed that, that people would intentionally go to public sp- spaces literally just to shoot as many people as possible. Let alone they, kids? Yeah, let, al- like, let alone kids. Um, that we just makes zero sense. We just didn't live in a world 10, 20, 25 years ago where that was even possible. Yeah. Now, I mean, we're not very far down the road. I remember high school pretty, like, it feels like nothing. Like, I mean, it was almost 20 years ago, but it feels like nothing. Yeah. And it, and it just, it wasn't something we did. And here we all are. Like, every every semester at school, at the school you work at, there are active shooter plans. And we're getting active shooter training in case something happens, here's how, you know, I mean, we, we follow the run, the run, hide, fight method. First, you run away as fast as you can. There's no lockdown. Nope. It's run. And public, public school does lockdowns. And and I don't, that's what, um, I forgot who was talking about it 
it, one of the officers we know. Um, I think they were saying the the data shows, and, and maybe it's just common sense. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say what's common sense when things aren't aren't common. Common, <laughs> yeah. But um, running is the way to go. Yeah, get the hell away. Go. Yeah, and then and don't then, get don't put. 35 kids in the classroom they're already in and lock the door so he can shoot through the door and then now you have 35 youngsters. Yeah, and then uh, they, they teach you, know. you if you hide to like in, in you're in a situation to fight. And one of the things they say like, and this is obviously in a school situation where you have one person in an area with a gun and they were like, if you've got 10 people just rush them and fight dirty. He's They're like, he can't kill you all. You'll stop him. You will, you will neutralize the threat if there are 10 of you and he has a gun. He cannot kill you all. Yeah. Just run and fight dirty. Claws eyes out, literally. They were like, just gouge eyes. Yeah. Like, just go dirty. Like, like, but again, we're talking about this is happening in schools. That's what they're teaching us at school. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, this is... I, and, and I don't know that we need to spend a lot of time like... Like on Answer, politics an, or something. No, 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 no. Just answering like the unanswerable question of why we live in a world like this today. Because um, I just don't know that there's an answer. But it's crazy that that we do, and it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. It's it's. I mean, it it's even scary. Um, because kind of like when we started out, you know, you you go through the world, you go through life, thinking most of the time that bad things aren't going to happen to you, um, but they can. Bad things happen to good people. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the freaking time. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's insane. Um, so, yeah. So, I think maybe we can talk about the logistics for a few more minutes. And then the most important part is the post, post-life. Because Amber's, like, killing it right now. <laughs> like... She didn't let the possibility of death destroy her her thing. But I the I just want to kind of work through as much as we can just getting through where the motorcycle guy got you through that the which the is a inter- great a so, super cool part of the story. Yeah. Totally. That's amazing. I mean, what I can't imagine being behind the cab on a on a bike, on a bike, and like and being like, holy crap! There's a bunch of people in that car, and they're in trouble. Like there's wet, there's people in a trunk. This is like 1970s mafia Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you don't put bodies in trunks unless you're a mafia guy. No, or if you're a hero, taking someone Just to the hospital, rushing a bunch of people to the hospital. Yeah, so. He gets you through the intersection. Luckily, he didn't get hit by a car. Yeah, thankfully. Did you... Seven to ten miles practically is a long... It, it, I mean, right now, we're not too far from a hospital. Maybe a mile. Yeah, I was going to say, we're really close. And just imagine the congestion if all this was full of people in cars. It, it, even getting one mile is a gigantic hurdle to... Uh, health and safety. Oh, yeah. So you get through the intersection. What is happening in the car? Um, is it just a lot of like, yeah, okay, it, just keep, just, you're going to make it. You're, is it that yeah, or? It's, it's me telling him to turn left at this street and turn right at this street as I'm reading the Google directions to him. Um, 
and we finally get to the hospital. And as soon as we pull up to the hospital, you could already see that the chaos had started at the hospital. beat you. Yes. Wow. Um, A nurse ran out with a wheelchair and uh, got me into the wheelchair. At this point, I get separated from the guy I was with. And he has my cell phone again. (laughs) Damn it. Um, But he wasn't He he wasn't wasn't injured. injured. No. No, he wasn't injured, thankfully. Um, And the nurse wheels me in. And I I get sat in a waiting room. Well, not a waiting room, but like a like a hallway with a bunch of chairs and the girl next to me had also had also been shot. And I remember telling her like, we have to keep our limb like above our heart. Like that's what we have to do. And as I'm telling her, I can feel my body just shutting down and I just passed out. (sighs) So it's because my body knew I was safe. Like I could finally like let go. So I actually got put into a semi-private room off of the hall and with another girl who just had a, um, an ankle injury. She wasn't shot, but she was still injured. So I feel very fortunate because I didn't have to see all of it, but I could hear the cries and the screams and the floors looked like ketchup. Like there was so yeah. much blood everywhere and the cries like that part is like what gives me nightmares is hearing the people's pain. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of a, it's like a blessing that you were in a room and you didn't have to watch it all. But then, you, to, like, but then to hear it is just, that's gotta be just rough. I feel so yeah. fortunate to not remember all of it. Just yeah. bits and pieces. When, when you got approached, by the um, by the nurse. See, this is something that I don't think gets discussed enough. All we all we do is talk about how crappy law enforcement is and how crappy our doctors are because they didn't this and this and that. The you have people running. I, I remember Father Josiah talking about loving that Marine Corps commercial because the Marines there's like chaos and then you know it's a recruiting. You know, it's all marketing, but like they're running into chaos and that's like, it doesn't, maybe the, the, for me, the reflection is the police ran into the chaos. They might've been not as tactful as maybe you would like, like, you know, get the whatever down or get the, you know, but they're in the situation too. And then the cab driver, I wouldn't have blamed him if he was panicking and freaking the hell out the whole time, as long as he got you there. Like yeah. what each person's process is so different. And then a nurse just runs out like, no, we got work to do. This is work time. There's no time for the nonsense. And I, and I, and I think about what, how did the doctors ha- imagine that being dumped on your lap? Like, here we go. This is this is happening. This is like what you see on Grey's Anatomy. Like you don't think that yeah. this is real life. Yeah. And I just think that's amazing. If they came into it, and especially like I've heard things about like you know being an ER doctor, like it's already just crazy because it's crazy of what you're dealing with. But then to be inundated, and then how do you? Well, this person's leg is broken. They're fortunate. 
because this person's ankle is shot, like in your in your situation, but then you didn't take a wound to the chest. Like even having as a doctor to go through everyone and prioritize has got to be psychologically insane. You know, I, I was seen by several nurses um, while I was there, but it took about three hours before I saw a doctor, which I'm not complaining about. I'm not because you're right. There were far worse injuries than mine. I'm going to survive. But the person who was shot in the head, they may not, you know. So, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's totally insane. When you were, like, do you do you sort of remember a, a, a moment when you realize, like, this is bad, but I'm going to be okay? I think I realized that when I came to in in the bed in the room okay that I would be okay yeah Did, is it one of the things where you said you were able to just your body took over and decompressed itself you passed out did you wake up post op or was there even a surgery involved or so, yeah i didn't have surgery in vegas i didn't have surgery until a month and a half later oh wow okay. wow yeah they were um so, like I said, Vegas was amazing. Vegas came together like I've never seen before. I mean, people brought pillows and food and water and toiletries and cell phone chargers. Like, Vegas loved on every single one of us and our families who came out. But yeah. they weren't able to help me at that moment, which was okay. So, my mom had driven up that night. My ex-husband drove up with his fiance to make sure I was going to be okay. They ended up leaving that night and then my mom drove me home the next day. And, uh, we ended up going to UCLA for me to see an orthopedic specialist. And they, uh, they were trying to let it heal on its own. Really? Yeah. Cause people live with bullets in them all the time. In them? In them. Yes. Oh. But mine, mine wasn't still in. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting to hear. Like, uh, you could live with a bullet in you, dude. <laughs> but the bullet actually wasn't still in my foot. It had gone through, and it's still lodged in the sole of my boot. Um, so I just have shrapnel in my foot still. Does it affect mobility or um, pain or... Uh, not not that I can complain about. Wow. It hurts, but I can walk. Yeah. I can exercise. <laughs> so you're, you're, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like that painted a good picture for the scene? Yeah. I guess. Um, sometimes it's, I'm, I, I don't know how to guide a conversation, you know, and I'm, I'm struggling to, to make it happen because it's just so crazy. I, I don't think you're struggling. Um, okay. It feels like I am. I'm like really <laughs> tense right now. Like take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, can you, can you talk kind of about maybe the road to like recovery and what that was like and. Um, maybe, maybe like, you know, physically 
and emotionally and psychologically and spiritually just sort of like, you know, when you got back home and you were like, you know, reacquainted with what the things around you that just seemed normal and, and, you know, you have this really bad experience and, you know, pain in your leg and you're just trying to like figure out what normal is going to look like again for you and will it ever be the same or will it be different and like what you know what was that process like um so getting home uh i remember the first thing that i was the most happy about was being home and my son being there and the sweet amazing kind letter that he wrote to me he he is i've been around him how, how a few old is times. he he's 11 he's 11 so he's he would have really, been like nine and a half or ten yeah he's really talented too yeah thank you he really like I remember being like he's over there. talented at like the guitar or like so like well he's he, a talented just in general just, just in brilliant general. yeah he's a smart kid but I I remember so this was before start today launched I think we were still just talking about it like we were pretty close to getting it done yeah but I think I think you and I started doing this like in December yeah that year so I would go over there and and I remember. I don't have an exact memory, but it's like, oh, look at this video I made in like five seconds. Like, and he just literally made like a two minute video of something he did that day and edited it. And, and he did edited all that. the whole thing. And of That's course, cool. my like brain was like, how the heck? I'm in the wrong generation, dude, because I'm trying to learn <laughs> how all this stuff works. He can teach you. And, and he just, just does it in a just, second. Yeah, he's just doing it. <laughs> yeah. On his cell phone, like not even pulling out a MacBook and like pulling up the audio, the software, like, no, like just on the phone. This is what I just did. Like that's totally aw- amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's my first memory getting home. Um, at this time I'm on crutches. I didn't have a wheelchair at the times and it was really hard to move around on crutches because every little impact of the crutches sent pain through my through my body um I ended up going to bed that night and I I, something fell over in my room I I don't know what fell over and it scared the crap out of me like I I was super edgy yeah several weeks went by of um checkups with UCLA and I am so thankful for my mom and my sister. Um, they stayed with me through the entire process, and they would clean my wound twice a day. And that was gnarly. Were you there for one of the cleanings? Yeah, I think I was, actually. I I struggle with looking at things like that. Dude, it was gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah, because you were, you were not in bed. You were in the living room. Mm-hmm. That was your room, was yep. the living room. Yeah. Yeah. I lived there for several months. Yeah. But they would uh, they would have to clean it with, like, saline solution and then stick, like, a shoestring of gauze into the hole and bandage it. And I mean, it was just, it was gross. Really, really <laughs> gross. They, they turned yeah. into RNs, <laughs> they like, did. overnight. Overnight. But, you know, there's nothing that a parent won't do for their child and there's yeah. nothing that a sister won't do for their sister. Like they, they're amazing. Um, so the, I mean, that was several weeks, uh, months of, uh, 
daily cleanings and also going weekly to de- debridements, I think is what it was called, where they would go in and actually dig out pieces of bone and pieces of bullet. That was more painful than the cleanings. Yeah, that sounds really painful. <laughs> it was yeah. awful. They would try to do a nerve block, but it wouldn't always take. Uh-huh. So I would feel most of it. Is a nerve block like a shot that numbs you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You get several of them like around the area and yeah. but they oh. don't always work. Oh. Yeah. No. <sighs> so that, finally prayers no. were answered because I couldn't stand it anymore. And uh it had gotten super infected and that's when they finally decided to do surgery. Uh, so I, and I'm glad that they did. What What was the surgery to do to re the surgery, put in structure of the ankle? Well, it had shattered my heel bone. The oh, bullet the did. Uh-huh. So they had to go in and actually remove a portion of my heel bone. And they pulled out as much of the shrapnel as they could. But because the pieces are so small, the type of bullets that he used on impact, they explode. So there's probably two dozen pieces of shrapnel still on my foot today. Yeah. If they had gone in to get each individual piece, it would have caused more nerve damage. That's probably why it burned. And I just yeah. thought of this. We so it, out of out of my office, attached to my office is our um our veteran center at the university. And on Veterans Day, uh we had a, a ceremony and one of the there was a Marine who got a purple heart who was kind of sharing his story of how he got it. And he was talking about shrapnel. Uh, he said he'd get shot like a hundred times before he'd ever take shrapnel again because of the burning. He's like, it burns. He said it burns so bad that like, so that, I don't know. That just made me think that makes sense. Like since it exploded, that that was probably why it hurt so bad. Yeah. That sounds awful. That does sound awful. So I spent, um, several months in a wheelchair confined to a wheelchair. That was interesting. Um, and I don't know. Here I am now. Like, yeah. It moved that fast. It did. Like once the surgery took place, healing was super fast. Yeah. Because I had, I had surgery the day before Thanksgiving in 2017. And then I was back to work by like the middle of January. Yeah, I remember that. So... I I also like to to think that just in general that women are tougher when it comes to these things. We are. Oh yeah, they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because I I can I've had two surgeries in my life. They're about 10 years apart. This was last year. Um and then in 20 uh 2008 I had two different surgeries. Mm-hmm. And the recovery for me I can deal with it. I'm I'm better at adjusting to just what's thrown at me than trying to make a plan of being like a tough guy. I usually just sit in bed and moan and complain all day and then my psychological state just tanks and then I'm like does God exist and then you know what I mean like it just gets so <laughs> dramatic and it's and then I was texting with a friend about it and she goes, "Yeah, you're a man, baby." That's what they call that. It's called being a man baby. I was like, <laughs> that's so appropriate too. Like even if, if I get food poisoning and, and I always just reflect and I'm trying to be lighthearted about it, but I actually mean it. Like if I were to get cancer, I I just don't know how I would do. 
because I just don't think I handle sickness and these situations. Yeah, the common that well. cold is hard, right? It just so dude, like, it just is. So if something was actually wrong with you, yeah, yeah, and 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 so like seeing your your recovery, I can't imagine that. I don't know if the drugs would like the the pain medication would block you from too much introspection if you were in and out, especially that first maybe month or whatever. But how did you, maybe it's your natural disposition and I'm someone like me is just like a natural pessimist or something, but I haven't seen you down. And obviously like we're not roommates and we're not married and we're not any of that. So I'm not going to have that availability, but I just haven't seen it. And I'm so baffled. Um, I, I think it just has a lot to do with, I, I just appreciate life. Um, and I, I believe that, like I, I've already said that bad things do happen to good people. I'm not a victim and I'm not going to live like a victim. Yeah. And, and I believe that I'm going through it or I went through it because I could handle it so that I could show other people that you can get through really difficult times and still be okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's an interesting thing about victimhood, right? Like right now we live in kind of an interesting time in history where everyone can gripe about something. Like it's just permitted that if you are a whatever, you can be a victim. You can be a victim of a microaggression, a microaggression or let alone like a crime. Right. But like everything is sensitive, but victimhood is an actual thing. It's a legal, like you are a victim of a crime. You are a victim of a terrible thing, but victimhood is totally a state of mind. And I think that's amazing to like, think about that. Your sweatshirt is actually victimizing me right now. Is it the zipper? Yeah, it's really, it's, I feel like I feel microaggressed by it because the color (laughs) offends, offends me. Well, it's not color. It's absence of light, I think. Void I think. of color. Void of color. <laughs> yeah, I forgot how, how but, it actually works. But to make it, you have to add in all colors. Uh, oh, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm inspired by that. <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's the absence of color, of course. Never mind. So are you in... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but no, honestly, like I, it's... You, you're choosing your lot in life. And I have to think about that too. Like I, especially, and maybe we'll talk about this in another episode, but the, it kind of is about where you're at in your head, where your life goes to some extent. And I admire what you've done with that, whether it's intentional or just natural for you. It's a lot of work for me to. I think it's both intentional and natural because I very easily could fall into woe is me and lay in bed and want everybody to pity me. I can. But what does that what does that show somebody else who's gone through a tough situation? Yeah. yeah. It shows weakness. And and I'm not knocking weakness. You, sometimes we have to be weak and we have to be vulnerable. I don't know. I I just have a lot of strength. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from. It's just me. You got it, though. Yeah. You definitely got it. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't really have the answer, I guess. But, like, maybe that's, like, something that, like, you can share with others, you know? I mean, like, part, part of part of this podcast, um, part of, of why we want to do this is to, to like improve ourselves and talk about ways to improve ourselves and the world around us. And, um, so like, I guess that part of my mind is trying to like pull out like positive things, right. Um, pull out like these things that can be shared with others that like help them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Even though like that's not me, but like, but just sort of like reflecting on, on mindset and strength. Um, because as, I mean, not all of us are going to get shot. Right. But like, you're still going to need strength when you get the flu. Yeah. Um, no, like man but, baby over here, but I mean, you're over there crying. I'm going to say, Eric, but were you shot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, like, we're all going to go through hard stuff, right? Like, right. we live in a world where, like, we, we, we're all, like, we're all going to go through hard things. Life is going to get hard. Um, bad things are going to happen. Not, maybe not bad things, just, like, the natural cycle of life is that we're all going to die. I mean, like, maybe that sounds like, <laughs> I don't want that to sound, like, shallow. Like, I, I really mean that. Like, like that's our, our lot is that, right? Like, we're all headed in that direction at one point or another. Yeah. And so, so... Like, I don't know, not being a nihilist about that is hard sometimes, <laughs> right? Like not just yeah, thinking like that's, the, that's our fate. And like, so like, so just roll over. Yeah. I mean, that's just it, it, like, that's a get fat, get drug addicted, do whatever, because what's the difference yeah. in this type of thing. And so having, having like a, a sources of strength, um, like an inspiration to, to, to live a good life and to, to be supportive of other people, I think is a really important thing to have. Yeah. Um, and we need, you know, I mean, we need a source for that. I mean, hopefully like our source for strength is God, but like sometimes that's just easy to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just easy to say that, um, living a life like that is a lot more difficult. Yeah, it is. Especially for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never would have thought I would have had a story like that I would have gone through this. But if what I went through is helping somebody else or inspiring somebody else to keep going, then strangely enough, I'd do it again. Yeah, that that's strange, but I mean, I sort of get that too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So how far are we out? We're like 15 months out from the incident. And even, I don't even think this is a New Year's thing, you know. And we could talk about New Year's resolutions another time. But the, the, your, I mean, you've even been making steps recently in the past couple months since we've talked like big things are coming up. It's not going to stop. Like your life is just going to keep on propelling. And the, I can't, I mean, I don't know, but I can't help but think this situation is like a major catapult for that 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it puts into perspective that life is short and that you should live your passions. Find out what your passions are. Go for them. Yeah. Keep moving forward. You know, my son and I always say never give up. And that's what we do. So for hopefully anyone that's listening and might be, you know, have been part of this or maybe they have a relative that was part of this and they need some guidance or whatever. I don't know what, what has been going on since like you've been growing as a person, but are there, I think you referenced it earlier. If not, I think in our conversation, like communicating with people that are, that were survivors as well. Um, were you telling me before there was a, a get together out in this area Southern California for yeah. survivors and what, what's going on with that kind of stuff? There's always something going on as a fundraiser or a gathering for other survivors. Um, I'm not super involved with it. Um, I, not because I don't want to be there, but because I also don't want to live in that moment all the time. Hmm. Um, I want to move forward. I don't want to be stuck. And I've, I just, I know me mentally, like if I allow myself to sit in it, it's going to drain me and I'm not going to continue to progress forward. Yeah. So that's maybe like another side of the the coin of victimhood, like dwelling on it. Yeah. Creates that psychological restriction. Yeah. You shouldn't dwell on, on anything negative. Yeah. Because life is actually really beautiful. There's so much more positive. And I think... As a society, we often get hung up on the negative. We Absolutely. For, we forget the other side. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Actually, yeah, that's that's just nice to hear. Um, life, I, I agree. I think life is beautiful. And I think, like, I mean, look out the window. I mean, there's rocks in the hills and, like, the leaves on the trees. Like, there's just beauty all around us. It's just, yeah, you just have to make yourself look at it. I, I definitely notice it more now. Yeah. Not that I took it for granted before, but I definitely notice it more. Yeah. I, that makes sense. I had, I had heard, I, I think it was a comic. Um, if you heard it, it was probably from a comic. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I love comedy. We actually know people who don't, and I think that's so weird. How do you not like to laugh? I was. I can only think of one person. Can well, you, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're thinking of that one? Okay. It might be our, our guest of the year, too, which guest I just invented just yeah. now in the moment. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's he, he would, I think it was a bit or a story about him uh, having to, like, almost dying driving. This, this comic. This comic. Okay, I thought you were talking about a friend still. No, 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 Gotcha, no. gotcha. So this comic was doing a bit about... Man, I wish I could remember exactly what it was. I just have like a fragment in my head. But it's basically like he... It's one of those things where he hit some ice driving on the highway and ended up under a big wheel, like a big wheeler, like a, a trailer. Yeah, yeah. Like under it. An His, 18 wheeler. An 18, I think thank a you. big wheeler is oh, what yeah. little kids ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a trike like a, <laughs> yeah my son has one yeah yeah <laughs> but he and he like spun out it was this whole dramatic thing and in the like half a second in between hitting the ice and landing underneath this 18 wheeler 
thinking this is it. And then it wasn't it. And he was going on to say like, this should happen to people like once a year, because this is what makes people appreciate life is like the slippery slope. And there's no guarantee that he would have survived. He probably on some, you know, statistic board somewhere, he probably shouldn't have survived, but he did. And he goes, I, and obviously he's making, he was doing stand up. So, I mean, he was talking funny, maybe being funny about a serious situation. Yeah. Because people should probably experience this like once a year, something to where your body just physically goes back to its just straight survival instincts. It gets you out of your comfort. Like, oh, I'm going to stop it in and out on the way. And did it? No, like now it's different. Your life is different because you seriously almost died and you just happen to have lived. Do you remember when we were like in, when you were like, Young, I remember being young, like in my early teens, and people I'm still t- young. People talking about <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I remember being in my early teens, and people talking about how teenagers like live. They they live like they're never gonna die. Like that's how they make decisions. They just make decisions like life is gonna go on forever. Yeah. And like as I've gotten older, and I sort of watch people make decisions and live their life and drive on the freeway and do all this other stuff that you know we do every day. I'm like, that's not teenagers. That's literally everybody. Like everyone around us is going through their life as if like the moment, the next moment is, is guaranteed. Oh, but it's not. Right. Yeah, That's right. Like I, it's totally not. And it's just, and, and not that you want to sit around and just constantly be dwelling on the fact that like the next moment isn't guaranteed, but like you want to have that in your mind, like, like that, you know, what, what you're about to do, like. You know, like you might bring it on yourself. Yeah. I mean, like quicker. I mean, even I was, I was listening to a speech by Steve Jobs. Um, it's a speech I showed to my students every semester. Um, so I won't pretend like I just saw it once and I really remember it, (laughs) (laughs) but, but he talks about with his job, he's like, he said every day I'd wake up and I'd ask myself if today was my last day, what I, would I go do what I'm about to go do? And then he was like, if the answer is no for too long, like it's time to do something different. Um, and I just think that's a great way to think about your life. Like, yeah. and not that like, I mean, you don't want to like, if today was my last day to live, would I be doing what I'm doing at this very moment? Probably not. I'd probably well, yeah, be with probably my wife not. and kids. Yeah. But like, but that's to say like, you know, it, you know, like value the things you're doing every day. You should be thinking about like, you know, how you value those things. And if, if the answer starts becoming no a lot, it's time to like start thinking about your life differently. And I just don't think a lot of times we as like humans in our society think that way. It's sort of just like onto the next thing, stay in the rat race. Um, and just, you know, and, and just keep pushing forward instead of like just being reflective about like, everything going on in the world and everything in yeah. our life that that's important. Do you, do you think on the, the other side of that, like that question could have been phrased is what I'm about to do today worth dying for. Do you think that's valid? Mm. Or is that a little too I dramatic? Think, yeah, it's a little I, different. I don't think living your life thinking along those lines is. Well, I mean like your productive, your whatever, not like, I'm totally going to cut this guy off and I don't care if I die doing it because screw him. But I mean, like, would Steve Jobs have died for his vision for Apple? Or I guess 
I don't mean, know if that's right. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know Steve Jobs, so that's hard to answer. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I, that's I how I got my computer. I wouldn't die. I wouldn't die for like the organization and the institution I work for, but like I would no die way. to like provide like a means of like shelter and food and like comfort for my family. Yeah. Right. Like, so, so in that way, I mean, like it's a little different. Um, it just came to my head. Yeah. I so I, I don't know. I think it's different. I think, I think that like that question is different. Yeah. Than like, you know, if today were my last day, would I, would I go and do these things? Yeah. But you know, to piggyback on what you were saying before, sorry, audience, you had to, that, it, it's a podcast that happens. Um, <laughs> My my dad, when he was in the Marine Corps, because he was uh, a lifer pretty much, and my dad did fire rescue for um, airplane. He wasn't like a house, a residential, like a civilian firefighter. He dealt specifically with airplanes and, you know, Marine, combat Marines. And he he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, when... My job became when it didn't when it wasn't fun anymore. I, I knew I had to leave, and it took him twenty years because he loved his job. But like, I think that's I don't know if that's the same kind of metric that you were talking about earlier. But what now? No, I, I think mean, we're just I totally mean, I, no, topic. no, no. I, I think that's I, I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I, I it's I, I think that's a different way of looking at that. Yeah. And I don't think it's off topic, but I just, I mean, it just to, to connect it back. It, it's yeah. just, uh, I think we would all be better if we spent a little bit of time reflecting on our mortality. Yeah. I, I just think that we would all approach life differently. And I think we would approach it in a way that, um, is a little more serious, but also is a little more, um, like, I don't want to say cautious, but like we, we would, would think about the people around us too as important because like they're on the same path we're on. Life's fragile. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to wait to live when you're dying. You want to live now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's a, uh, yeah, that I don't want to, I was about to talk about New Year's resolutions. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Is, um, uh, is, are there things that people shouldn't ask? Uh, I, I guess if we can just ask, say you specifically, but I, I, I kind of mean like, uh, anyone like from your experience of going through, of going through such a traumatic, you know, experience is, is there, are there things people shouldn't like approach you and say, or are there things that maybe someone has approached you and said, and you're like, Whoa, dude, that's totally weird. Why would you say that? Um, I think the only thing that you shouldn't say to somebody who's gone through something is, if I was there, I would have done this. Uh, uh Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's completely disrespectful to that person and the situation, and even to themselves, because you really don't know what you would do (laughs) until you're there. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Um, But I think it, for the most part, for the other people that I've met, the other survivors, it's okay to ask them questions. It's okay to to love on them and to let them know that you're there for them. And don't talk about there being multiple shooters or conspiracy theories or (laughs) none of us want to hear that. That's that's when people bring that up. That is a very comfortable 
safe in their bedroom YouTube bunch of nonsense. Like people who are really safe get to do that, who are physically safe. And they 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 take away the humanity part. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think I mean I listen to um This American Life, the podcast This American Life, which is also an NPR uh, radio program pretty religiously. And um, they did a program not that long ago on um, on school shootings. And so they did a whole segment on how schools are prepping. They did a whole segment on uh, the last shooting that happened in Florida. And then they did a segment on uh, not survivors, but uh, parents of non-survivors. And so um, they were talking about, uh, they, they interviewed, they had the, they followed around these two parents who um every time there's a mass shooting in america these parents drive to the location of the mass shooting to just sort of like comfort and be with people who have are going through what they went through um and they've sort of made a a life out of this now they've sort they sold their home they live in an rv like they this is their life is like trying to meet up with other people and help calling yeah that's great and so um um, they seem like really good people just wanting to help other people, you know? Um, but, uh, going back to the conspiracy theory thing, they, one of the things they tell other parents right when they meet them is that the Infowars, uh, people, the truthers, quote unquote, if you will, oh yeah, are going to come to you and tell you that the child you just lost is an actor who's alive and well and living on the beach in Los Angeles. And they like are like... I've seen that nonsense. Yeah, they were like, you need to be prepared for someone to tell you that your child is alive and living on the beach in Los Angeles because that's what these people do. Um, and that just seems like, like of all of the things you could do, of like, of, of, I, I, like of all the things you could say to someone in that situation, that seems like one of the most awful things I can possibly like, like literally one of cruel. The, the, one of the most evil things you could do. You like, ju- yeah. You just dismissed their, their child, yeah. their mother, their, yeah, it's awful. But like the fact that people do that, like the conspiracy thing is just awful. It's just, it's, uh, it, it's completely insane. Well, it's awful people assuming other people are, are as awful as them. Yeah. Cause you have to be a terrible person to be part of a staged mass shooting and it's just, you know, I can't even, I can't even imagine. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. It it practically doesn't make sense. It, it's completely immoral. It, it, it's insane. But yeah, I can, I can imagine why like not doing that is like just the most obvious thing, you know, the, the, the conspiracy theory thing. A couple months after the, the shooting, I think it was after surgery, I was on crutches and I brought my son to the, the trampoline park. I didn't jump, obviously. <laughs> um, but this guy came up and I had this machine hooked up to my foot that was to like suction out like fluids and stuff after surgery. And he came up and he asked me, he's like, what is that? And I said, oh, I, I was shot in Vegas. And he was like, that was real. Like, He said that? That like, was real? Yeah, that was real. He's like, I thought they just kind of made that up. Who's they? Who's There's they? always yeah. a they. Right? Yeah. That's that's also my question always with this stuff. Like who who's in control? Like <laughs> there's like this machine and like there's there people, somebody's manipulating like who's the It's like they the Wizard here? of Oz. And yeah. He's like behind the curtain. Yeah, right. he's behind the curtain. <laughs> he's pulling all the levers. There he is. He's done it all. 
they're I, <laughs> they. I thought they made it up. The fake media, quote right. unquote. Like what? Like no, <laughs> no. Like you saw. So, do, do you think everyone edited their cell phone videos right. with the same software, and they all had a meeting? And yes, it's gotta they be. had a meeting, <laughs> and they sent out the same video or something close to it to every cell phone in the area, yeah. and they sat you down and they paid you a lot of money and said, "Do this." <laughs> I actually have a feeling that this was terrible publicity for Las Vegas. That would be my thought. Oh, oh yeah. It, Not it for a sure financial was. gain. A no. huge L yes. for Vegas. Uh, yes. And I'm sure that it was. It I will prob- never return is. to Vegas. I will never go back. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. No, I, I, I mean, wouldn't either. I don't want to go to Vegas as it is, but like, <laughs> right. I can still like, no, there's yeah. no, there is no way that like that, that would be. Yeah, let's go party in Vegas this weekend. Uh, yeah, no thanks. Would, if I guess there would be like a pass if it was like a teenager, but it probably wasn't. Like, I can't imagine my reaction to that, other than like dumb guy face, just looking at you know. I well, and I think the too, disbelief of that question. I think there's a lot of disbelief because I mean it was in and out of the news in like two weeks. Like it wasn't really talked about yeah except people that want to use it for whatever they're exactly one one thing or the other yeah yeah and now we're now we're on to the next how many tragic things right have happened since countless 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 and what are those countless things i don't even know anymore like this is how quick yeah you can name one or two maybe but i mean it's been a almost a year and a half not quite but almost um yeah, and a lot has happened in a year and a half. Yeah. And that's, again, like we kind of mentioned it already. It's just, it's weird that that's the world we live in now. Like where it's like tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And it's just sort of like it. And shame on people profiting from this on tragedy. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. Shame on a your lot. house and your mortgage and you're feeding your kids with this. Yeah. You piece of shit. That's what I think. Yeah. Curse warning. Curse warning. <laughs> I mean, some people are After just pieces pack. of shit, dude. And that's just a fact. Like, if you made money off this tragedy to make a political statement one way or the other, like, you know what I think. You told us. I told you twice. So now I think we've had a total of four curse words on this show in 18 episodes. And two of them are just happened right now. Yeah. Wow. So Look at that. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking us off course as being family friendly. Sorry about you. that. But it, it makes me mad. Yeah. Well, this, yeah. This episode isn't really family friendly anyway. No. Yeah. That, no, you're right. Mm, that's fine. So what, 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 should, what else should we cover, Amber? What, what, what's important that, well, I mean, yeah, maybe, I mean, I mean, maybe as we sort of like get ready to close out, um, like you, and maybe we want to ask you if there's anything else you want to share with people. Is there anything else people should know? I don't really know. I mean, the story's so vivid. I feel like I watched, I watched a movie. Yeah. Literally. I feel like I just watched a movie. Yeah. That's how I feel. I, I don't have any profound words to to part you guys with other than um, just love people, love humans, 
be kind. Do your best. Don't give up. Yeah. <laughs>